Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dog Show Drive with Wayne and Will. I'm Wayne Kavanaugh. You definitely, oh, I'm looking the wrong way. You definitely are. <laughs> I'm Will Alexander. <laughs> right over there. Anyway, this is our first time going YouTube with the Dog Show Drive. So we have a regular podcast and our YouTube video. I apologize that you have to see us after all this great mystery. Anyway, this week, we're going to talk about Babcock, the Benno asteroid, and all that dog show judging thing and the importance of where you've been, where you came from when you're judging dogs. All that and more right here on the Dog Show Drive. Well, good morning, bud. Here we are. I know. Good morning, man. It's I might scary. be a little might be a little nervous this morning. It's scary, bud. We we had to uh make sure that because sometimes we do wear the you know, what was the what was the in Toy Story you had Woody and who was the other guy? Captain somebody? Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. We have the Buzz Lightyear pajamas on. We can't have that today. We had to actually throw a sweatshirt on this morning. Well, I'm not wearing any pants, so well, I'm not either, but um <laughs> I am wearing a speedo, but that's just for health reasons. Anyway, we are on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the inaugural YouTube show. Um, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We think Doc might. He says we hope he does, or else we're screwed. <laughs> so we're just talking off air about how different it seems because we're kind of serious this morning. We actually discuss topics. Usually, we just launch into them, launch without any plan. And for some reason, that you can see us, we want to look a little less stupid. And I'm not sure that really matters, does it? Well. Yeah, I'm not sure if well, that's what the viewers want, but let's just want, give it a whirl uh, and see what happens. Why would anyone want to see us? Anyway, let's start with some very important dog news. Mike Babcock got fired, Will. I know. Don't yeah. mess oh, with the dog show drive. <laughs> <laughs> that is hockey. We we talked last week. We did actually talk. Actually, about- he resigned. He didn't get fired. So. Well, yeah, that's what they always say. I know, but uh-huh. didn't mean but he if he got fired, he still would. He still might be, but they're saying he's not. If he hadn't got fired, he still would have got his fee of four million a year. Right. By resigning, he gives up that fee. But I bet you there's some backroom stuff for there. Let's let you resign. That way, no one delves into it, and we'll still throw you something. And that's keep- the way it always works. And no yeah. one knows what we're talking about except three Canadians. But uh, Mike Babcock was hired uh, as the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And um, he went through the cell phones of the players, and that was enough for guys making a lot more than him. And, and we outed it last week, so yeah, we uh, actually we caused the resignation, Will, I know. because I'm of telling, our podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah and, and by us outing mm-hmm. injustices, yes, justice yes. prevails. That's right, justice <laughs> does prevail. And we all know that Batman and all those guys at the top brass in hockey all listen to us every week. Because of our extreme hockey insights, we're so uh, dog show. Oh, wait, this is the dog show drive one. This is the dog show drive. But I have to tell you, Wayne, I got a message from somebody saying how much they they now follow hockey because of the dog show drive. I think that was one person. No, I've had a few. (laughs) My mom already watched hockey, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Yesterday was a big day here at the Kavanaugh household. Uh, it was Tatum's birthday, our granddaughter. But more important, we're thinking of Doug. Doug Belter, 70. Who'd have thought it? 
Is he I 70? Mean, he's not 70, is he? 72, I think. It's oh, I think he's like 65. He is 65. He is 65. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Doug. Um, we love you, bud. I know we give you a hard time sometimes, as you do to us. It's all fair. But our good but friend it, and loyal friend, Doug Belter, happy birthday, bud. And he has so many friends that I, I kept popping up on Facebook, these different pictures of, of Doug. And this yeah. one photo of him looked very serious. And he was looking into the camera. But if you look into his eyes, all I could think of, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> Uh, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, for new listeners, Will has millions of uh, pop culture trivia that just comes out of his mouth. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Wait, over here. No, the other way. The other way. The other way to get to you, bud. <laughs> You're over there. <laughs> we'll get used to this, okay? We'll get used to this. I'll eventually anyway, wear pants. Yeah, it's yeah. This is very different. We're actually we actually care. Um, what we look like, which is ridiculous. But anyway, Doug Belter is a good example of a guy who's doing that transition from handling into judging. And Will and I talked about this before off air. Um, and we had a, sort of a, an interesting discussion. We don't necessarily agree. Uh, Will, you want to talk about the judging and having a dog at home when you retire? Well, right? yeah, like I, I was supposed to take speaking to a judge last week. I won't get into any names again, because that just gets you in trouble. But um. They just got a dog. They they just started learning about that breed. It's not a, it's not a breed they're used to, and he can't believe how much he has learned by having this dog and having the new mentors in this breed. And he believes he truly believes it's it's going to help him be a better judge. And I I agree. It kind of puts you right into the game, so you get to keep things in perspective. And I, I was talking to another couple yesterday, and uh, actually Mike and Sandy, and they were saying when they when they showed their dogs. And made them appreciate their competition more, and and they they could see why. Like when, like of course, when anybody loses, they go, "Oh man, I lost and that dog." And but then I think as a judge, you look at things differently. We hope, and they analytically went through as to why they this dog won that day, and they come up with reasons. And I think that's important. It keeps things in perspective when you're out there. So I remember Eddie. When he was showing the pretty beagle, but yeah, a couple of years ago, and he hadn't been in the ring a long time, he called and said, "The most amazing part was pulling into the parking lot, finding out where to park, and his little grooming table, his little tack box, and his little crate, and his dog." And it does does a little reminder of the work that goes into it, even with just one dog. Uh, you get to appreciate that. But I don't know, Will. It's a personal. It's I can tell you that I learned more about sighthounds than I ever did, and I've been involved in quite a few of them at Forsyth's, Whippets especially, in Grounds. Um, in hindsight. In hindsight, yeah. But <laughs> the... Uh, so Jeannie used to always say to me, Forsyth's better than hindsight. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is. Anyway, the um, just living with Killian, the wolfhound, and watching him every day, and I know I've talked about this before, but living with a breed and seeing it and watching and learning its character... It's character's got so much to do. You can't describe the character and the standard well enough. Right. But I agree. when you live with them and you see them and you feel it, it's a different experience than they're in with side downs for me. Now, I'm not saying you need to go out and buy 200 breeds just so you can be an expert in every one of them. But it does help to have a, a dog. The differences that we Will and I have on this is Will thinks, well, again, about having one forever and when you're judging. 
Oh, well, I, I think it's, and I understand when you, you get in your late 80s, it's hard to have a dog because then you wonder who's going to look after that dog because you are older. Where are you going to take that? Who's going to look after it when you go off judging? Um, but it, it's amazing, as, I, as I've interviewed people that are, are judges for a long time that don't have dogs anymore. And then you'll talk to some that still have dogs. Uh, and And I know I'm... I'm, I just started my judging career, and, and I do a lot of seminars. I was just in Phoenix last weekend, and it was a wonderful time. The leash up did that. Well, I'll talk about that afterwards. Anyway, each week I have I have I have four dogs here. I have my Bouvier, my two Beagles, and an Irish Setter. And I, so I have to find. I can't just. I don't just take them to a boarding kennel because that's not what I want. I had they have their babysitters that they love, Monica. Monica Park, she takes my beagles and she loves the beagles. Um, Nancy Johnson, who I, I do a lot of work with, and she has a grooming shop. She takes the Bouvier and, and he and she even has a GPS tag for him now, and he wanders around and she can, it'll go off while he's here. And then Jill B, obviously Jill Taylor, the Irish setter goes back to Jill Taylor each white because that's 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 Irish setter heaven. Like I don't know if you've ever seen the picture. It's Irish setter heaven there. So he, they're more thrilled to go there. Every mm -hmm. once in a while, if he's there for like two weeks in a row, he'll come and be excited to come here. But it's a lot of work to go put them places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I know they're happy. Um, it's funny with Clark. Clark last week, Nancy couldn't take him, so I had to. I was I was scrambling because I forgot because I'm not great at remembering things unless I write them down. I forgot that Nancy couldn't take him, that she was going off the Irish, Irish Wolfhound National because oh, she was Irish Wolfhounds and the Canadian National. And so she couldn't take Clark. But this lovely couple, Dave Pazbaum and his wife, who have used Clark as, as a stud dog, when he goes there, he runs the house. So I thought, oh, I'll call Dave and see if he would help me out this week. And he graciously, he and his wife, Shelly, graciously helped me. Only problem is when I drove Clark in the driveway, he got really excited. <laughs> He got really that. excited. And it wasn't just to see Dave and Shelly. He loves them, yeah. but he got Thanks, really bro. excited. <laughs> Party! <Yeah. laughs> but I do know, the point I was With getting Quang. to is yeah. when I when I get home, I can't wait to get my dogs back. I miss yeah. my dogs terribly. So yeah. I understand that. And I guess I'm, you know, I'm a couple weeks older than Will, not many. And it puts you in a different perspective as far as buying a dog. Um I love their little border terriers, but they live to be 150, as do skipper keys, right? You want yeah. the one that's going to live forever, get a skip. Well, do you have a plan on where those dogs go when you pass? Uh, is there someone willing to do that? And by the way, is that person still there? My brother had a situation. Um, he's since moved from Vermont to here to Michigan, which is wonderful. Um, but he has a dog, and his plan before he got this dog was to give it to a neighbor who loved the dog. Well, the neighbor's in Vermont now. Who knows what's going to happen? So it's hard to plan. Brother this. Wayne's going to happen. That's usually <laughs> what happens with everything, Will. Um, <laughs> he ain't heavy. He's my brother. He's kind of heavy, but he's still my brother. I love him. Anyway, it, it really depends. Because you, you can't time your life, right? Uh, you don't know when you're going to die, and, and you don't know when your dogs are going to die. So that's in the game. The other thing is, if you start judging every single weekend, that's going to be a grind. 
me Drop out. Drop my dogs off. Uh, it is a worry. Like I, I'm yeah. busy most weekends, and it's it's you know, I, I'm really lucky with who looks mm-hmm. after my dogs. Like I I'm really lucky. No, there are judges that have twenty dogs on. Um, I'm down to one. I've never had one dog in my life, ever. And it's just something that Cheryl, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be doing more traveling. Uh, that's the plan. Get some river cruises booked in Budapest and all those things. We just want to get those things done um, right now in the time of our life. And we want to spend time with the grandkids and all that stuff. But we'll always have it. I think we'll always, I want another one. I want two. Uh, but we don't have the farm anymore. We don't have the kennels. We don't have the big paddocks. So you've got to plan accordingly for that. When I see people, when, well, when people said you're getting a wolf out, they don't last very long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you don't want to buy a dog hoping it doesn't make it to 15. But depending on your age, you do that little that math and figure things out. But I do think it helps to have a dog only because it reminds you about the love of the sport and the passion you have. If you weren't, if you didn't have that, you wouldn't be in the sport. But I totally respect and understand. Oh, it's definitely understandable. There's no none. Yeah. They have to sometimes you get to a point. I think one of your points, Will is that he has a new breed, right? Yes. And he's learning about this new breed by owning it. That, I think, is absolutely essential. Again, not that you want to own all 200. Although some of them uh, I want to. close. <laughs> <laughs> I better win the lottery. <laughs> you might be one or two breeds ahead of me, but I'm not sure. It's close. Uh, and it does give you. And, of course, working with dogs. I think we underestimate the opportunity that assistants have if your handler has a good string of dogs, or at least knows what a good one is, we can talk about that in a minute. It's a great opportunity to learn about breeds without having to own them. You're spending your life with them every day, right? Yeah. But we talked about this earlier too, Will. The dilemma of handlers that never bred dogs, and that's totally understandable, right? It's it, it, it's, it's understandable. Um, I think it's... Is and as long as they they find a way to get involved, even with their some of their clients and the breeding aspect of it, mm-hmm. so I think that part is so important. To understand that part, it's not just important in breeding the animals, but it helps you with animal husbandry because the breeders have so much knowledge to give you. Now, this is going wrong with this, and they'll have an answer for you. Mm-hmm. And you you need those you need those people in your life. You do, and I think that's real important. The other thing is. A lot of handlers. And by the way, if anybody's not putting down handlers, it's Will and I, right? We have, But there's a difference, I think, in approach for handlers who haven't bred dogs. There's the danger, and I'm not saying it's common, but it happens, of them thinking that the ones they win with are the right ones that have breed type, that have the characteristics of the breed. They may just be good show dogs. Yeah. Uh, that, and they're a good handler, good press, good. Uh, at presentation and grooming. So where do they get their examples of good dogs from? So if you've never been involved at that level and you enter the judging pool as, as pool as a handler who hasn't had that other, those other, la- and many have, of other layers of experience breeding and, and owning dogs, do you approach it more from the presentation and grooming side? Do you subconsciously make that more of an effort uh, or, 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 or appreciate that or award that more 
are you able to find the unmade bed that excels in breed type? It's great breeding stock because we are evaluating breeding stock, not grooming and presentation, although it's part of it. So is there that danger for some handlers making that transition to do that as well? And it's it's also interesting. I was I was away in Phoenix this weekend talking to I had a great class, great great seminar. Anyway, we talked about different things. And they asked me questions about judging and breeding and whatnot. And I I brought up a woman named Pat Miller. Pat Miller was a wood smoke whippets and shih tzus in Canada. And she was very successful in yeah. both breeds. And she judged a lot. And she was a wonderful judge until she retired. A wonderful judge. But I'll tell you. I would go second to almost any whippet in the world under Pat with a beagle. And I finally asked her why she rewarded so many whippets. And they weren't always the same type of dog. There was some different difference in looks. She said because she's bred them for so long, she had a hard time breeding Phil on the front. So when she found it on a dog, she had a hard time not rewarding it. Because she knew how hard it was to for, for her to obtain. So when she found a breeder that did do it, she felt like she had to reward it. So sometimes they were different sizes, different shapes. They're obviously still whippets. But, I mean, she would reward these dogs and then and, and they had the fill in the front over other dogs just because she knew how difficult it was to obtain that. So that 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 part, I think, makes you know something about breeding how important breeding mm-hmm. is it makes you understand what things are hard to get like like you can get certain things back in generations where things you can't get back and once you're you've lost them you've yeah. got to work hard to find a way back yeah so so much depends on where you come from right how you i'm not saying we don't all get to the same place but how you approach is always fascinating to me um maybe i'm so big on shoulder layback and upper arm length and fronts because Anglo setters I started with, and pointers and beagles and uh, you know breeds yeah. that it was tough getting those fronts on. Oh, those for people. sure. You know, I remember so I bringing your dog to Jeannie. Yeah, yeah. And Jeannie said to me, "Oh, he's lovely, Will, but he's a little Irish setter up front." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's an Irish setter. So, yeah. So gin at this early, Will? Have you on gin? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're drinking? There? Yeah, it's just uh, just to get me through the morning. There's only TNT. And of course, you do know, even though we're not telling you about Red Rose tea giving us anything, Red but Will and I are both serious drinkers of Red Rose tea. We yep. take it with us on the road. If you watch us in restaurants, please don't. Um, we're not neat eaters. But if you do in the morning for breakfast, you'll notice we bring our own Red Rose tea bag. <laughs> And put it right and in the cup. dunk it in like a couple of old fools. <laughs> you bring your own tea. The red rose. If you want to support us, we're supporting you. <laughs> I love our tea. Anyway, but it does. You know, where you come from? Do veterinarians put more emphasis on the structure of the dog, or um, things that would bother them? A croup alignment or a hindquarter that they think mm, might look pretty and fancy, but I don't want to do that surgery when they're 10. Uh, or, you know, and then does an engineer come at it like, well, right. I've got to build this structure perfectly? Does an artist come from it? And these aren't conscious things. Does an artist come from it for more of a, you know, a flow and angles and, and pretty and maybe even too exaggerated? Does the engineer want them too boring? I don't know, 
I just can't imagine that this wouldn't be a great science, uh, psychology, pro social psychology project. Yeah, it would be great because think of it. You could find examples of all those people you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. They're in my head. <laughs> oh, exactly. I can see we, we had a breeder up here, um, Jam, Jam Buchanan of Salukis, and she was very artsy. She was painter. She was this. And she was, she was just one of those tall, artsy-looking women anyway. And she read Salukis. And the Salukis matched her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was perfect. Does, what's your definition of moderation, which is key to so many breeds and so much? And I think that, you know, the complaints we have about exaggeration, which obviously I'm one of those people uh, thinking we have to be careful about exaggeration of breeds. Sometimes we look at exaggeration. Oh, that's breed type. Mm -hmm. I can, these pointer heads with this extreme dish and short back skull and, and short muzzle. That's a cartoon of a pointer. Yeah, it's a, a it's a caricature. It's, yeah. like, it's like someone said that about Marquis in his day. He was actually a caricature of breed yeah. type. You yeah. know, and um, I think we have to be careful of that. Uh, that's where exaggerations get us in trouble. So, if you're too from the artsy side, and I'm, you know, I mean, I was a poet, I and mean, that's my. That's but he didn't know it. I, my undergraduate <laughs> degrees in writing in, in contemporary American poetry yeah. specifically. So am I looking at more things from beauty and balance? I don't know. Um, I hope that I've got the whole dog in my head, but it's interesting for me to think about that process and where you come from. If you're interior decorator, do you see balance better? I don't know, yeah. but um, maybe uh, it'd be fun to find out. That's the beauty of it. That's a diversity of opinion we need to keep breeds. We need diversity in breeds. We don't want them to all look exactly alike, although we think we do. Um, but you have to have that diversity in any gene pool. I don't mean just inbreeding coefficients. I mean diversity of look. You might need that big common sound bugger once in a while. Oh, there's no question. I remember going to a show. I won't say what breed or who it was and I was showing a dog that he wasn't always the bravest dog, but you'd go to national, especially, and the ones would walk by that would be kicking up the dirt and grumbling were not the most attractive. And I turned mm -hmm. to my my breeder and client and said, couldn't we just breed to one of those once? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, you know, uh, for those of you who remember Deputy National Acclaim, who won the garden, he certainly didn't have a whole lot of breed type, but he was great on his legs, and he was bred to one of Tom Bradley's beautiful, elegant, gorgeous typey bitches without the best legs and bee's knees uh, came around. So, you know, you have to take those risks once in a while. And that kind of goes back to your two marshmallows theory. <laughs> it does. I used that this weekend. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah, you've got to you've got to think ahead and I'm not sure. And as judges, do we have that responsibility? I think we do, Will, and especially doing nationals. If fronts are all bad I don't want to use fronts again. Tails are all bad in that breed. And you have a, you know, 175 to judge two days in a row or something, or even a smaller entry, but a good sized entry. Do you start saying, you know, enough of these bad tails? Enough is enough. Yeah. And I'm going to start selecting those out as I judge, as I would a breeder, because I'm trying to evaluate breeding stock and maybe even make a statement that I know that you think I'm missing this other stuff. I see it. But there's one thing, it's in every one of these dogs, and I'm not going to reward it anymore. Yeah. Not that what goes through our heads? And I'm not saying it's even conscious. I've seen myself self-correct in a large entry. I've seen it where it's not conscious, and I'm looking going, wait a second, am I being too hard on whatever? 
uh, or am I getting or am I giving too much allowance to whatever? Uh, it's not easy in there, and I wish that somehow our if we did self commentary as we were judging, it wouldn't be the same as what our process thinks, yeah. because there's so many layers of subconscious background. Uh, you know, is it what field did you come from? What did you study? I don't know what, who you. Is were. it almost lunchtime? It's almost yeah, exactly. When the hell do I get to sit down and eat some cake, Lou? <laughs> That's what we're talking about. <laughs> I have to bring it down to that level once in a while. <laughs> once in a while, we have to. Jeez, I don't know. It's terrible. You know, it's true. And I talked to judges about this, and it's terrible. No one wants to admit this, but I'm going to let you in a little secret, ladies and gentlemen. If if it's really close for third and fourth. For anything, really close. I mean, like identically. These dogs may have different faults, but they're exactly B minuses or whatever you might grade them. The person who looks nicer, who's more pleasant, maybe gets the edge. Well, that's oh, I, I definitely somewhere. agree with you. I, I I preach that at my seminars. Uh, it's, it's human nature sport. If 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 Wayne and I walk in the ring with the exact same dog, and they obviously like me better. <laughs> <laughs> what's the answer <laughs> or if they're very you don't even know really... you're in my seminar do you <laughs> <laughs> or if they're very well read they might look at me and go that's the guy uh, fourth for you <laughs> i can read <laughs> uh, anyway um these things do play into your brain, and the way we think as judges is not just read the standard and apply the standard. In fact, if we did that, it would be terrible. If we only judge by the standard, it would be a disaster, a total disaster. Do you need to know it? Yes. Do you need to understand it? Yes. When someone comes up and goes, how did you reward that dog with a long left ear or something? I'm like, there was a whole dog there? I'm not sure if you right. missed that or not. And we're judging the whole dog, and that's important. Uh I've written papers about this and I've done lectures about this. So I'm going to give you the three second version. In my weird brain, there are three, three phases of judging that we go through. The first is, and you can, anybody can, with a good eye, that's the key. If you have a good eye, a mutt walking down the street, you can say, that's a good looking dog. It's balanced. There's something about it, some symmetry thing that makes me think that's a nice dog. You get into purebred dog, same thing. That's attractive. That's a good looking dog. That catches my eye. That's phase one. You can get away with judging the rest of your life with that, Will. And a lot oh, of sure people do, yeah. right? Phase one judges. Phase two, now you get into pointers. You appreciate the veins in the ear leather because it's thin enough. You appreciate the way that head is shaped so beautifully around the eyes and the fact that their uh, ears are set on right. The tail is a perfect bee sting, thicker at the root, going to a taper, all these little subtleties of that breed, the underlying, the little tiny breed characteristics. And you get so hung up on that, that that's what you reward, no matter how they walk or the way they're put together. Yeah. And you're in your mind, you're telling people, I'm a type judge. I breed on breed type alone. That I know about type now. I'm going to be looking for those little subtle things. That's great too. You can do that. You can judge that way all your life too. If you're smart enough to know breed type in every breed, knock yourself out. Right. Phase very three difficult. is when you put together the general construction and make and shape an eye for a dog with the points of breed type, and you judge the whole dog. Everyone think the problem is everyone thinks they're in phase three. Well, they all do. Yeah. Are we? And is it steady? 
or is it is it static or is it dynamic? Do you fluid in and out of those phases? I'll bet I do. Oh, there's no question because yeah. there's some breeds you definitely know more than you know other breeds. Absolutely. It's interesting. Um, I, when, I, when I interviewed Christian Minneapolis, we talked about something like this, and he was saying that it's funny how the average dog person's eye gets drawn to things that are incorrect in that breed but they're appealing like top lines over exaggeration long necks and that creates a problem because obviously you're trying to go with the breed type and they're correct in the standard or the breed breed functions but it's appealing especially to some artist size because that's aesthetically pleasing yeah yes. so you have to correct yourself in your head you do, not get sucked in but I, I always i'm under the i'm i always believe that if it walks like a duck talks like a duck chances are it's a duck when i hear judas banging on dogs that have won a lot i want to see that dog because dogs don't just win a lot because there's got to be do. something i can name a few <laughs> i can name a few well. yeah no, there's got to be something be it area be it whatever you know yeah. there's got to be something yeah. Well, if you don't, if you go looking for faults, you know, and of course, this is something we've talked about and written about and uh, yammered on about forever. If you're a fault judge, you're going to be miserable, first of all, because you're missing the whole dog. You're yeah. missing the whole dog. And if you go in the ring and you walk down that line and you're only looking for faults, you're in the wrong lane. You're going to be miserable. You're you're going to be, you're not going to have fun well, in there. Who wants to think negative faults? In a bad mood, no question. You know, you walk down that line, you think, Beautiful head, beautiful feet. There's something that you can find in every single dog in that ring that's good. And that yep. gets you in a frame of reference that you're judging on positives. And that gets you to, I hope, putting it to the whole dog perspective. Because when someone says, I can't believe that dog wins because it has a bad whatever. They all have a bad whatever. Right. Every one of them, except Miss P. But every other dog that ever lived <laughs> has something you would correct. And you can't judge that way. And people outside the ring that say, I can't believe he put up that dog with a bad rear. Um, overall. Yeah. Remember what our friend Mark Thruffle said about that one day? Yes. If you had to go that far back to find something wrong with my dog, mm -hmm. I think I have a pretty good dog. <laughs> yeah. And that, Jim Edwards on tails did the same thing. Although I'm a tail fanatic. He wasn't. Jim was a biologist and a geneticist. He didn't, the artistic eye didn't, he he knew he was a great appreciation of art. We'd go to France, we'd go to Paris, you want to see all the museums. He had that too. But he came at, for Jim, it had to be basic structure and meet those standard requirements first. So for him, he would say, if if I had to get, if you had to go that far back to the tail to find a fault, and I would say sometimes that tail is the leading indicator of breed type. In pointers, for example, it says. In the great Arkwright book, the old book that you can't find, uh, the the guy who would be, I guess, the, the godfather of the breed, the, the man who did the most development of the breed, the Arkwright pointer. <laughs> Make him an offer, he can't refuse. Sorry. He, say, <laughs> he says, the hallmark of the breed is the head. But for the certificate of blue blood, apply at the other end. And the reason wow, I like for that, that. And pointers is a foxhound tail is fat, ropey, and doesn't taper. These are the root breeds we talked about last week being so important. Unless you knew the root breeds, how would you get to this finer point of the tail? Greyhound tails, long and skinny, right? Uh, long and skinny with more curve, 
um, terrier tails, short, fat base at the root. Carrot, and yeah, upside down carrot. You know, carrot. There's not a lot of terrier in there. But bloodhound tails, fat and ropey again. But you're looking for that tapered bee sting. And that's not the word bee sting is not in the standard, by the way. So if you say that five-piece top line is not in the Vizsla standard, but it does say it describes all five pieces. And if you don't know that from someone who knows the breed, you well, it's not in the standard. Well, sure, it's in the standard. And by the way, if that's your only blueprint, mm, you're missing the boat, right? So there's so much that goes into this. And unless you knew all those root breeds and how to put it all together, you're not going to get from phase one, the general good eye for a dog, phase two, the finer points of type, phase three, putting that all together. And I know that there are breeds, and we talked about this too, Will, if you're not really, if you're doing an owner handler group and a breed walks in, you don't have a lot of experience with. If it's pretty well put together, we know what that means without describing it. If its angles are balanced, if it keeps the top and moves well and appears sound and has good structure, basic conformation structure, that's the way you're going to judge that particular breed on that day. Where with when you have your own breed, like the one with the whippet you were just talking about, you're going to tune in on those things and reward them because you know about breed type in that breed. If you if you're an exhibitor and you think we know 200 breeds to perfection all equally, that's just not the way. That, it's yeah, just it's not happening that way. Doesn't happen that way. And and that's a good. I I would contend it's a good thing, because without people that are just focusing on the phase one basic dog, you're going to get too carried away with phase two for judges. There are countries, and I won't name them, where breed type is overflowing in many breeds and they can't walk, not even a little bit, because there's more emphasis put on those things in those countries. In this country, I think, because of our system, we have very few breed specialists and so many five, six group judges now that we're going to tend more towards putting up the general dog. Yeah, good old right? fashion. Yeah. That's why importing dogs back and forth from different Look at Australia. They take the, the fancy ones from here, the really typey ones from the great from Great Britain or Europe, or wherever, and the sound ones, and then put them together. And every once in a while, come up with, hey, man, that's Look at that. Nice. I know. I've seen yeah. those and think, oh, my gosh, those yeah. are something. Yeah. It's funny they would put it all together. But, um, yeah, we're not all as smart as you think you are, as we are, except for Will and I. You can't get any better than that. Um <laughs> <laughs> and all breeds, all breeds. Hey, I've got to chase some points, but I got to get some CEUs. Well, where I'm, are you? You you were nowhere oh, last week. I am nowhere every home. week. I haven't done a thing. I've got a life to live. I've got breeds to learn about, not yeah. to collect CEUs for. <laughs> where I know we talked about that this weekend. I met, I met some wonderful people at the seminar, and what we talked about, and actually someone who listened talked about box checkers. Yeah. And how many there's too many of them out there, you know, and it's hard to um, be taken as a serious judge when there's all these other judges that just want to get in there, you know. So it's I guess and, and maybe we're assuming that listeners know what we're talking about. Well, to be a judge, you need in low entry breeds, you need five points. In regular in breeds that aren't low entry, you need 10. And that could require it, it, there's a list, a matrix, they call it. If you judge a sweepstakes, you get one point in that breed. If you do an in-ring observation, you get two. 
if you if I talk to Elliot Weiss about English setters until I'm blue in the face, I get one point. But if I see I beat in hound, if I see a beat in hound in three owner handler groups that I judge three times, that's one point. It's a crazy matrix. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, does it? it has to talk add to up someone to 10. like Elliot and then talk to nobody and be right. the same point. I mean, it takes longer, I guess. But oh, and by the way, Elliot might not might not qualify. He might not be. This is how crazy we're talking about. If someone has been on the mentor list, each club has an approved mentor. I guarantee you, Fisher is not on the terrier on any terrier list because he probably doesn't belong to any club or care to get on those lists. You don't want to talk to idiots all day, as he would say, right? But um, <laughs> so there's no points for talking to Fisher. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's but, pointless. <laughs> so what you're saying is pointless. I like the way to you're talk talking, to Bobby Jerry. Fisher. <laughs> it's, it's true. But this is the hoops you have to go through. And sometimes we just get, it's not insulted. It's come on, one more. P I've got to drive to Indiana hoping that the major holds in whatever breed and that the judge, here you go again. Um, this is what we go through, ladies and gentlemen, not looking for sympathy, just looking for the a little bit of sympathy. You understand the frustration. If, if I look at a judging program, I need two points in Boykin Spaniels. I look at a judging program and I find that if I drive seven hours on Sunday, there's an entry in Boykin's. And I drive seven hours, and the major breaks, and I'm observing under someone, no points. No points. Zero for the day. If I drive seven hours, the major holds, but it turns out that the judge has 11 years judging that breed, not 12, no points. So I've got to get a judging program, go through, find out where the majors are, then look up the judge and see if they've been judging for 12 years, and then hope the major helps. That's for two points. So if you have, you know, 30 breeds in a group, uh, that's uh, not, it's not 10 points for every breed, but you're into hundreds and thousands of CUs to finish groups. That and makes no sense. It is, it is, the common sense of, of that is nil. So we talk about box checkers. There are people who are really good at that, who love driving around, finding majors, keeping checklists, driving there and observing under someone who isn't really an expert in the breed, but they've been judging for 12 years and standing in the ring and nodding and they get two points for that. They're real good at that. They'll fly to every specialty. They'll spend a fortune flying to every national because you can get three at a national. You can even get five if you try real hard. So you can fly around all those and do all this and never learn a damn thing about dogs because you don't have a background in it. Even, Will, now I'm on my soapbox. Calm me down, buddy. That's your job. Calm me down. <laughs> no, I'm going to let you go for now. <laughs> Even if you've been in the sport long enough to apply for the initial application, and then you go through all this other stuff, and you get all those points, if you never had an eye for a dog in the first place, none of that's worth a damn thing. Well, none. exactly. Well, what about going to a seminar and, and sitting next to a person, and you know they're not listening, you know mm -hmm. they're not taking notes, right. but they get the same check mark you get. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? I've told the story to Irish Wolfhound National. 
where there were six students and one, and one guy was sleeping the whole time. And he woke up once in a while and didn't know where the hell he was. He went to lunch, came back. His first question was, when do we get our certificates? Yep. Guess what? Three points. That was a national advance to whatever hoo-ha seminar. Some seminars are better than others. You can have an idiot doing a seminar at, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say idiot. You, no. Who's someone who isn't a great presenter but has background in the breed doing a three-point seminar. That's three points. Or Sam and having or having Harry O'Donoghue do a wire fox terror summer that I went to. By the way, I never got a certificate. I just went to learn, heaven forbid. He's done and approved anything over here. You probably get no points for that. Or if you do, it will be one as opposed to a three from someone who doesn't know a fraction of what Harry knows. That's an incredible man, too. Like he's been over here judging all kinds of breeds, and he is spot on most of the time. Like you just did watch you say him. spot on? Well, spot on, Sunnybrook. Spot did. on. <laughs> okay, Terrier folks. There was a famous wire fox there. Sunnybrook spot on. I don't think Harry had anything to do with it, but no, I don't uh, think so. Yeah, that's um, what our minds were. My very first wire I showed was sired by Sunnybrook spot on. Now I'm getting off tangent. Anyway. Well, you want to really get off t- tangent? Uh, that was one of my favorite dogs of all time, by the way. Well, you know, James No has a tie. We all know James No, James No, and Jimmy Fredrickson. No, <laughs> see, no, no. See no. how I did that? Well, yeah, 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 it was good. Yeah, <laughs> well, Jimmy has a tie, and it's got a Wirefox tear on it, and it's Sunnybrook spot on it because it's exact picture that we've seen in the famous books and whatnot. And I've always asked him for that tie, and the last time I saw him, he had the same tie on. I said, "You're wearing that tie, I want." He said, "Sorry, brother, I left it to Mark Bettis." <laughs> <laughs> Right. So he'll be sporting the tie. I can't yeah. wait to see it. But yeah, we, you know, those are things that uh, Harry Donahue's seminars are unbelievable. He wouldn't fancy himself an artist, but he draws circles and triangles, just circles and triangles on a big white piece of paper, old school. And all of a sudden, there's a fox terrier there. It's so cool. He was a school teacher, of course. By the way, useless trivia. It, I'll make it dog related in several ways. I was doing a seminar somewhere in Illinois, I want to say Springfield. And that that week, it was several seminars, and a, Todd Kellum and I, my buddy from UKC, hunting guy, we went out to dinner, and there was a guitar player playing. And he was like, you know, you're on, it was like a golf community bar. This is going to, can I say suck when we're actually here? I think we can. Uh, it wasn't going to be good. Still our, still our podcast. It's still our damn podcast. <laughs> and he's up on the stage, and he's unbelievable. He's, I mean, he's super talented. So we have to wait around and talk. And we do. His name is Gareth Woods, and I urge you to Oh, yes, you, 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 you put me on to Gareth. You sent me some of his music. Oh, he sings like a bird. It's beautiful. Anyway. Because uh, bird I is the word. Gareth, you know, a good bird. An angel, maybe. sings like that. Anyway, uh, he's a Chicago policeman now, too. He's a cool guy. Anyway, uh, we get to be friends. He comes to the place and our place and hangs out. Over the years, we've become pretty good friends. Just last year, we're talking about dog shows, and he's from that area uh, where Harry lives, right on the border. And I said, you wouldn't happen to know a, a guy, a school teacher named Harry Adonian. He was his teacher, Will. Wow. Small world, but I wouldn't want to. Yeah, that was good. That was good, Gary. Small world. (laughs) But I wouldn't want to paint it. Anyway, I just wanted to show you folks. This is how it works. 
we make a list like this. This is what we're going to talk about this weekend. Where's the camera? Yeah. We haven't talked about any of these things. <laughs> just we just get go going. off and run. We just get going. It doesn't matter. It's the like, have you, have you been listening in the news about this uh, Benno asteroid? The who? No. It's, it's an asteroid called Benno that, that passes by Earth every six years. And yeah. they figure like in 123 years, it's going to hit Earth. Yeah. And it's the size oh, of the Empire State Building. Is there Are news me? with it? Is there news on the Benno? I knew. Yeah, because there. because they sent up a a, a, a a spaceship or what do they call yeah. it, and to take a piece of the Benno and bring it down so they can examine it. I wouldn't want to mess with the Benno. Well, they've done it, and it's coming. Yeah. The piece is coming to Earth this Sunday, and it's. I, I guess they're because it's going to be doing like I forget what I said. Uh, this is about nine ounces. But it's the largest piece ever, you know. It, it's it's almost like an Armageddon thing. They sent somebody up there, took not somebody, a machine yeah. up there, took a piece, and they're putting in a, a safe um, container that's going to make it through orbit without burning up. But it's going to land in the Utah on Sunday in Utah, and it's it shouldn't cause any damage because it's only the size of a, a refrigerator apparently that's still pretty big because it's going to get through the atmosphere it's not going to burn up but what made me think and why why i brought this up is you think dog show people are going to think i hope it hope the dog show doesn't cancel in utah this weekend yes. because the, exactly. <laughs> I was the whole time i'm thinking <laughs> hope we're okay hope the judging still on right because there's a major on sunday <laughs> <laughs> we had weather events that would be worse than getting hit in the head with a refrigerator from an asteroid, and we still get that strip of ribbon. We can't stop. I don't understand it. I don't oh. understand it. And <laughs> That's way, a 50 cent strip of ribbon. <laughs> if maybe that. 50 cents, if that. And I, and I want to say a lot of people don't know how, how that story related on the front end, too, but the, the craft they sent up to get that Osiris Rex, USS Beagle. It oh, was is that what it's called? No, I'm like oh, you can. It's called Osiris Rex, so it does have a bit of a dog. Yeah, it yeah, does. The, it was Darwin called. with the beagle. Darwin with the boat and the beagle. That's how we. That's where uh, all this comes. And the world's best genetics experiment, thanks to Darwin, purebred dogs. We talked about it last week. Eighty percent of our breeds in the last 120 years. There you go. We tie it all together, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. It's a, just like that. This is a show, Jerry. How do you do the thing? What's this? Why do you do that? What were we doing in the ring? The guys in yeah. trouble? This is a show. This is a show. <laughs> we get it. This is a show. <laughs> <laughs> we can't help ourselves. Anyway, I did want to mention something. I got a message from a mutual friend uh, talking about Facebook uh, people slamming judges on facebook and what kennel clubs can do about it. and not just judges by the way no. it's, and it's what can kennel clubs do about it i would love to say they can monitor it and suspend everybody but they can't and we do have this crazy um wider 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 birth every day whether it destroys people or not of the first amendment um you have the right to do that i guess unless you're really disparaging someone in a way that would affect their career, and then you've got to prove slander, and that's really hard in court. Common sense would be nice. Respect would be nice. Right. But when Kennel Club, and talking about, speaking of our, our friend Doug Belter, it can happen where a Kennel Club will step in, but it's got to be extreme. And this was horrible, they, what this woman did, Doug, and she got suspended for it, as she should have. Oh, she did? But, okay, I didn't know the yeah, outcome of that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if any other cases like that happened. Uh, because it's, the topic was so sensitive, and it was a legal issue. So you've got to be real careful. Uh, 
about what you think kennel clubs can do. I wish they could do more. And this is Canadian Kennel Club specifically was the question. And I could ask at the conference in a couple of weeks, but it just, it's just, I wish there was a better answer because I'd like to write you back and say, bing, 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 this is what we can do. It's not that easy in today's world. And you can write whatever you want on social media. And unfortunately in this sport, there's some pretty good self-monitoring where other people in the breed will stop up and go, hey. We'll jump in and say, come on. Come on. Yeah. Actually, I put up a post last year, nothing to do with dogs. And someone said, no, does that make fun of that person? It was a simple shoe thing or something. And I thought, maybe it does. Maybe that'll offend them. I took it down. Had nothing to do with anything important. It was a fashion thing. But if I'm that guy in Reddit, I might get my feelings hurt. So why bother? I don't need to put it up there. And the same is true with dogs. Why would you possibly, if you want to tell someone that you don't like their dog or them, how about we do it 60 style and actually have a conversation with them? Might change your mind. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Might change your mind. I was, I was, also, I was also reading about this week. I forget where I read it. It was about judges talking about well, it might have been Andrew or Desi. I can't remember. Andrew Brace or Desi Murphy. It was about the term dump. Oh, how judges hate when they're told that they dump their dog. It's amazing because I, I hate that term too. I'm, I always, I hate to say it, Doc. I know you're listening. Mm-hmm. When you say dump, what do I do? I always jump on you because yeah. it, they didn't dump your dog. They, you just didn't win that day. Mm-hmm. Um, they could like your dog very much, but other circumstances, another dog walks in that day. And you remember, there's a lot to take in in two minutes, and you you, can, you miss things. Oftentimes, and I repeat this at my seminar, I outline and timing, outline and timing. Your dog could look like a million bucks if my back is turned. I'm broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see the million bucks. Yep. So. It's happened when it's close and you turn around and come back and a dog looks like a twisted pretzel and it's close. What are you going to do? And by the way, I can tell you, I dumped a couple dogs last weekend. Don't use the term dump. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm doing. I dumped a couple dogs last weekend. Oh, we can do this now. You can see us. Oh, yeah. You can see us here. now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I Lasers. <laughs> a couple that's dogs right. last week that were excellent dogs, but there was a slightly more excellent one in there. That's not dumping anybody. That's sorting breeding stock. Bring me that one again, and you're probably going to win. That's right. If the other dog's not there having a great day. It's not, oh, he he beat, oh, this is my favorite one. Uh, Wayne beat Will last week in, in Cockers. What happened to Cockers? Yeah, Wayne beat Will. First of all, it was your dog, not you. We've talked about that a million times. But what else was in there? Or, you know, it's always good in the group ring, right? You look and go, who did those? And you look and go, ah, Alexander, what the hell were you thinking? Alexander had only that one dog. That's right. why he had that no day. idea. It <laughs> all comes down yeah. to we, we can't make them what they're not. We can only sort them. So yeah. just you know. all we can do is judge what's before us. Are we infallible? No. Are we humans? Yes, unfortunately. Maybe you need AI if you want it all to be the same. I certainly don't want that. But that's the, the beauty of dog shows is we all approach it differently. There's different knowledge bases in every breed. And without the without the diversity of opinions, you're going to have a pretty boring gene pool. And you're also going to have one dog show a year. Right. Because if we're all excellent, the dogs are all excellent, performing perfect that day, there's no, invari- there's no variables. 
We're going to punch it in the computer. You win every time. Done. We're yeah. done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will. Um, what else did you have? Let's. We could look at the list. Will. We could do that. Well, nah, we got to be careful boring. because we can't go over time on our first one. So yeah, these are boring anyway. Who would want to do? They're not boring. We'll use them next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking great live, Will. You're looking great. Well, you helped me when I because when I first because we're not used to this. So when I first got on here, Wayne's like, "You look like a ghost." <laughs> so then I started playing with lights and brought my so color bad. back and yeah. called the makeup team in and you know yeah and then, and then you know, a little shine on the nose. But the uh, yeah, I was going to call him Maxwell. You look corpse-like. It just depends. Uh, so we're learning about these things. We have no idea what the hell we're doing. Um, we're in our in our little spaces where we record, and we're hoping this works for you. And we'd love your suggestions on what else we could do better. Uh, I know we could be funnier, except you know he's wait, he's always funny. Um, You're pointing the wrong way again. <laughs> this is my favorite part. I was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we appreciate you watching now and listening. And by the way, and Cheryl said to me. Well, what if they're driving? You we're still having the podcast. You can It'll still, still be on podcast, yes. So we have the podcast. But when you want to sit back and have your tell your dinner and watch some relaxing, you can watch the dog show drive. <laughs> yeah. The dog show drive. Right here. But I'm now they know down. we're not really driving. <laughs> oh, and you're no. not about that. <laughs> when you those fake steering wheels like they have in, in the TV shows, you're just doing this all the time. And the backgrounds just stays. Yeah, there you go. We do that. I'm anyway, sure they all thought that we were in a van on our way to a dog show having this conversation. Could be. Could be. If the vans are no, never mind. Anyway, don't, don't the, do it. The, we we really have appreciate the audience is building like crazy, and we really appreciate that. A lot of people say, where do we find it? Well, you can go to wherever Doc puts us on, Castellos or something, never heard of it. And Spotify, and, Spotify and most Apple. podcasts he has them attached to. And now it's going to be on YouTube. It'll be, I think we're going to start off on my channel, uh, Dog Show Tips, and that's where you'll find right. this. But we'll put the links out there. Yeah. So. And if you look on our Facebook page, oh, that's another thing we wanted to bring up. Well, if you look on our Facebook pages, there's always, uh, always, O-W-E-E-S, why do I say that? There's always a um, a box of some sort that you can just click on. So people say, I don't know how to do podcasts. You just click on that pretty red and white box link on our Facebook pages, and that'll take you right to the podcast. Right. And it's, it's going to be the same for the, for the YouTube channel. But there are plenty of people out there that don't yet listen to podcasts because just I don't need to learn that much more technology. You don't need to. And and you won't learn any here. Right. Just go to our Facebook pages and click on the links. Another thing we just quickly wanted to address, there are people who get offended if we don't um, accept their Facebook request. Not that we're special at all, but we do get a lot of them. And Will especially, because he's so damn famous in other countries, that you might get 100 a, a month, right? And to go through them individually takes time. And sometimes... And they get, and they get lost, you know? And yeah. so if... Sometimes it takes someone to say, could you check for my name? And then I'll find it. I'll, I'll search the name. And it'll pop yeah. up. And But it, it's hard to to accept them all. It really is. And it's also hard for a couple of jackasses to just say, we're so famous. That we have to... <laughs> well, <laughs> technology peaked with frozen pizza. So you have to be patient <laughs> with me. I don't have, like, I was having problems with a camera this morning and whatnot. I called Doc and Doc was busy and... <laughs> 
it seemed like it was different today because we're doing this show instead of the other show. (laughs) It's true. Now, this show is the other show. How do we explain that, Jerry? Anyway, um, (laughs) thanks for your support as we go forward. We don't know why we do this. It's just that we miss each other. So, uh, And remember, we take everything seriously except ourselves. And the other thing is everything we tell you is almost everything we tell you is true. Gospel. Can you say that still? Gospel. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen. It's been fun, I think. Uh, And again, we... uh, Send your suggestions and and comments only if they're really glowing, because we don't the negative ones. They just yeah, yeah they, they go to the negative pile. No, we, we, we read them, them and we take them yeah. and, and then we crap. yeah, stash them. All right, take us out, bud. All right, all right, guys, stay safe out there, and we hope to see you next week. Both of us. <laughs> Pretty on good. No way, way. Better be paying attention, Doc. Thanks for attention. <laughs> so, Ernie, use it in the blooper reel. That's right. We love you, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put that in, Ernie. <laughs> Quit taking yourself so damn seriously. I'm falling <laughs> Some extraordinary data things that are being done around the world. Thanks, 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 Ernie. We didn't mention hockey. Isn't that unbelievable? Put that in, Doc. Yeah, they let us see it in the blueprint. Uh, this is good. We're going to be here in a second, Wayner. Don't lose it, Doc. Hot. Hot. Don't use that one, Doc. Don't use that one, Doc.